Hey, it's Madison, the Black Eagle, and here's a highlight from today's show. Let me welcome to the show for the first time, and hopefully not the last time, Chuck Hoskin Jr., who serves as the principal chief of the Cherokee Nation, the largest tribe in the United States, for over 440,000 citizens, um, Cherokee Nation Secretary of State, uh, served as a member of the Council of the Cherokee Nation. Uh, first of all, thank you so much, Chuck, for taking the time to be with us. I appreciate it. Talk. To, well, I'm very glad to be with you. And 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 talk to me about uh, about this. Let's go back to 1835 treaty. And and what was this treaty all about? And what was it? supposed to provide? Well, you know, the historic context is so important to understanding this. In 1835, the United States had undertaken a policy of Indian removal. So they had a, they had a problem in the southern part of the United States, and that problem was perceived by the United States as an Indian problem. And the way they wanted to dispose of the Indian problem was to push tribes like the Cherokee Nation, which was at that time also uh, probably the largest tribe in the uh, country, uh, pushes across the map. Now, that led to uh, the trail of, uh, did that lead to the Trail of Tears? It did. And so that pushing across the map was the Trail of Tears, which was uh, very consequential. It was very damaging. The Cherokee Nation lost a quarter of our population to exposure, starvation, and the other ravages of being put in stockades and forced across the country. The uh, legal basis for that was a treaty that the, that the United States really kind of imposed on the Cherokee people, a treaty the United States literally, literally wrote. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and in any case, that's the treaty that we're talking about with this uh, delegate provision. So in this treaty, which did so much damage to the Cherokee Nation, there's a sentence, and the sentence says, the Cherokee Nation shall have a delegate in the House of Representatives when Congress shall make provision for the same. Now, at that time, it wasn't as if we sort of sat silent while, while this treaty is being written. I mean, we we pushed and pushed for as much as, as we could get, uh, and, and that was a provision that ended up in the treaty. Mm. Here we are uh, nearly two centuries later, and we're still talking about it. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, would would a native delegate uh, operate like a D.C. delegate? Yeah, so we think of Eleanor Holmes Norton, right. the uh, delegate from the District of Columbia. She has a great deal of, of influence as a delegate. She can sit on committees, introduce legislation, debate for or against measures, uh, all the way to the House floor, where her uh, authority stops is voting on that final passage. But, of course, by the time we get there, there's a great deal of impactful work that is done. And so our delegate would be similarly situated. It's not entirely clear what the framers of this treaty anticipated or understood would be the role of a delegate in the 19th century. But we do know that there had already been delegates uh, to the House in the in the country's history, dating back to the founding of the Republic, and we know what delegate means today in, in the context of Eleanor Holmes Norton and other territorial delegates. So we know what power they had and what they don't have, but it would be something very important to the Cherokee Nation. And I think important to the country because you know we're talking about whether the United States is going to keep a promise, and that that ought to mean something today. 
Now, my, my guest is, is Chuck Hoskins, again, Chuck Hoskins uh, Jr., who serves as the principal chief of the Cherokee Nation. Now, when I, when I talk about a delegate and a district, the, the, the Cherokee Nation, is there a district or are the, are the, are the Cherokees, this population of, of 440-plus, spread out over different parts of a region? Yeah, so the Cherokee Nation, a large population, as, as you've noted, 441,000 plus, that's spread out all over the country. Cherokees have migrated over the years, as uh, as, as many people have. Uh, however, that same treaty you and I were talking about a moment ago, that 1835 Treaty of New Achota, as we call it, uh, that set forth new territorial boundaries for the Cherokee Nation in the 19th century. Those boundaries were modified subsequently. There was this, another treaty signed. Uh, and today, uh, we understand, in terms of our political boundaries, a uh, 7,000-square-mile uh, reservation in northeast Oklahoma. So there's a, both a territorial boundary in terms of our reservation, but there's also the fact that you can be a Cherokee citizen living anywhere in, in the United States, or frankly, anywhere in the world, but anywhere in the United States, and certainly in all 50 states, uh, we have Cherokee citizens. Hmm. And 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 so, uh, I think it was last year. I'm reading a Huff Post piece. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, said that uh, you are quoted as saying you expected the delegate to be seated before the year's end. Obviously, that didn't happen. Why? Well, it's a good question, and I think the answer is this is something new to the Congress, new to the House of Representatives, so you have that aspect of it. Uh, Congress is a creature of habit. Habit. There's also some institutional norms in the House of Representatives. I mean, you and I have a representative in the House. That person is elected. That person is elected to a congressional district. Right. The districts are roughly equally uh, uh, uh populated and drawn. Um, so there's some norms that are a bit upset. Uh, and I don't mean people upset, just sort of outside of the norms by this idea of a treaty-based delegate to an Indian nation. And so I think that it's been challenging to, number one, educate members of Congress who just by and large don't interact with Indian tribes and don't have a deep knowledge of treaty history. Uh, and I think that's taken some time. There's always maybe some political issues with everything before the House. But quite honestly, we've not encountered complete opposition from any quarter uh, in the House. In fact, we've got a lot of encouragement. But I think there's some uh, caution uh, being displayed by members of Congress because it's new. They're not sure what the consequences would be. But here is what I've consistently told them. If the United States always intended to keep its promise, and, and I have to assume that it did, then the answer is inescapably we will get our delegates seated. Getting there is something that uh, we have to work out. But the answer can't be the United States is never going to keep this promise, or my right. goodness, it would be breaking its word. Now, I say that not really tongue-in-cheek, but I do say that uh, mindful that the next time the United States – fully adheres to its treaty obligations with any Indian nation, 
will be the first time it's done it. So that's the backdrop against uh, which I'm asserting this right on behalf of the Cherokee people, knowing the United States has frankly broken just about every promise it's ever made. <laughs> yeah, and, and as you were talking about um, a Native American removal and Andrew Jackson, who said, I, I don't give a damn what, cause you, you want, because they won a Supreme Court decision. <laughs> as I remember the history uh and 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 Jackson, who by the way wasn't president at the time, you know, went in and said, "To hell with a Supreme Court decision, didn't he?" It's amazing, and you do know your history well. I mean, the Cherokee Nation and my ancestors uh, made a decision that I think said a lot about who we are as people. We said uh, we are going to go into the United States' own court yeah. and beat them. Yeah, and we did, and you and beat them. We and we beat them. And when we did, uh, it was met with uh, the kind of outrage that I would hope was left in the 19th century. We see it pop up from time to time today, unfortunately, this idea that there is uh, some political figures that are bigger than the rule of law. But but in any case, uh, that's what was happening in the 19th century. Uh, Andrew Jackson eventually did become president, and yeah. he fulfilled uh, his rage manifested into uh, this Indian policy that did a great deal of damage yeah. and led to our removal. But he- here's what I also think is uh, something that brings me some joy and optimism, because I really think we'll get this done. We are reaching back to this treaty that was designed to, frankly, destroy us, and we are finding such power in that one sentence. And I think it's a measure of justice for our ancestors if we get this done, and I think we will get this done. And and finally, um, how do you get the information to to uh, to the to to the folks the the nation? How do you get that information to them? I mean, uh, we you know we use radio, talk radio. How do you do it? How do you because you're going to need that kind of support. Right, and and think about this: we we not only need the support of our Cherokee nation right we need the support of the american people and so being on this program today is so so very helpful so we're really making a full court press we we've been out in the media and and done different shows we have a a website called called cherokeedelegate.com people can go and a few clicks you you send a message to your member of a house essentially telling them look America ought to be a country of its word. Keep the promise to the Cherokee people and seat this delegate. Uh, so we're we're on social media. We're communicating directly with our citizens through our own newspaper, our own uh, direct communication channel. So we're we're doing all we can. And then behind the scenes, we are working on a bipartisan basis with members of Congress, including the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, who I met with. Uh, in early 2020, uh, and and she really said some encouraging things. We just need to make sure that, that Congress uh, keeps its courage and gets this done. Do you have the support, I'm just curious, of the Congressional Black Caucus? Well, I believe so, and I've had uh, a really great relationship with uh, members of the caucus. I mean, Maxine Waters is someone who has uh, been, uh, I consider, a friend in the House. And and if we don't have time today, I'd love to spend some time talking about uh, some troubled history that we've had in the Cherokee Nation with slavery, uh, yeah, history I, yeah, of emancipation, and our long path of reconciliation. And I think that path of reconciliation, which has been wonderful for the Cherokee people, 
has also opened up conversations with uh, people like uh, Congresswoman Waters so that we can really get down to the United States obligation, uh, which yeah. I'm convinced she it would be supportive of, not to, not to quote yeah, her, but I, 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 I feel yeah, like I, you have an ally. Yeah, I can tell you this audience is, there are probably portions of my audience listening right now who mm-hmm. know that history well as it relates yeah. to slavery. And they're probably kicking my ass for even interviewing you, but you know I'm. Well, well and, and in that regard, and I I know your your time is limited, but yeah. I would encourage uh, everyone really to scrutinize the Cherokee Nation on this issue. And what they will find is that uh, since 2017, not only have we adhered to our legal obligation as chief, and I'm not the only one, we we are on a path of reconciliation. I mean, we are fully unlike some folks in this country who think if we bury our heads about the dark chapters of history, they'll just go away, or or we don't want to talk about uncomfortable subjects because what might make us uncomfortable, we're charging straight into this difficult history and exposing it to ourselves and facing up to it. And I'm going to tell you something, we are a stronger nation for it. I mean, I've been to the House of Representatives and the Senate, and I've apologized for our history of slavery, but I've also done more than apologize. We've taken actual steps towards healing. And I think that it's a beautiful story, frankly, that the country needs to hear. And I hope I get to tell it sometime oh, yeah. uh, when, when you have more time. But I always, yeah. I'd always come on to talk about that. Issue. Good, good. I think, you know, it, it's like with South Africa, it's truth and reconciliation. You got to be that's truth, right. and that's really what it requires. And uh, and and you know what? We'll we'll sit. We'll, let's do that. We'll work out a time to to, to have this discussion in in detail. Yeah. Let me thank you for uh, coming on, Chuck Hoskins. I appreciate it. And uh, you know, have a, a, a be careful out there, and we'll see where this goes. Thank you. All right, my friend. Thank All you. right. You can listen to yours truly, Madison the Black Eagle, live every Monday through Friday on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.